Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I'm Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South. On this show, Jake Winterman, CBS Sports, joins us. Eric Fawcett, Gator Country, my usual co-host, joins us. We talk over-unders, get you all set for the regular season, which begins today against Loyola, Maryland, and it's Zach Tech Arena. So we hope you guys sit back. Uh, one of our favorite episodes of the year. Hope you guys appreciate it and enjoy it as much as we do. We're going to talk all things Florida basketball here. Get you ready for this season that begins on Monday. Thanks for listening. Florida Basketball our Podcast is brought to you by the Gatorverse, an exclusive community dedicated to connecting University of Florida fans and student athletes. Members receive access to exclusive autograph collectibles, real-life experiences, giveaways, VIP events, rewards, and athletes receive a majority of revenue from sales of their collectibles. That's the way that NIL is supposed to work. To find out more about becoming a Gatorverse member and Locker Mania, visit Gatorverse.io. That's G-A-T-A-V-E-R-S-E dot I-O. Hello and welcome to Florida Basketball Hour. I am Neil Blackman, Saturday Down South, joined by Eric Fawcett, GatorCountry.com. And it's the man, the myth, the sportsbook legend, Wendy Winter Sportsbook, Jake Winderman. Jake, back for another year. We're so glad to have you, man. How are you? I'm good. It is uh, it is good to be back with uh, a little more money in my pocket from last year. You know, the uh, <laughs> the, the uh, sportsbook did well, as you know. There's a reason Vegas still exists, so... Very happy with the uh, success we had last year and just glad to be back here. And I, I know we're going to put up some better scores this year. I know it's going to even a little bit out, but we'll cop you guys a free night at the resort to make up for last year. So don't worry. <laughs> yeah, that's 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 how you hook us for for more money. That's uh, that's that's the business model for sure. But uh, uh, we're super excited for this. Um, I, I I know we have a lot of, you know, pretty loyal listeners who have probably listened to uh, every over under show we've done for years. But uh, it definitely got a lot better. Uh, when when Jake hosted last year, but um, if this is people's uh, first time checking out the podcast or first time uh, in the off season here in the Over Under podcast, do you want to just let people know who you are, Jake, and and a little bit of your story? Yeah, for sure. So uh, my name is Jake Winderman. I am a longtime Florida basketball fan, a Florida alum out of the College of Journalism and Communications. I now work at CBS Sports in our Fort Lauderdale office, doing everything from our streaming service, CBS Sports HQ. CBSSports.com, the CBS Sports app, working on the assignment desk. So anytime you see news coming through, come uh, flowing through, all types of different content, I have a uh, a big hand in helping put that together and uh, making sure we get the best stuff out to everybody possible. So basically doing all sports, but at the end of the day, my biggest and one true love is the Florida Gators, and I've always loved Florida basketball. Covered Florida basketball as a beat writer for my four years when I was at Florida from 2014 to 2018 and kept up with the program as if I was a beat writer since, but have not been writing as much lately with my current role, but always keeping up with what's going on. And of course, always tune into Florida basketball hours. So it's an honor and a privilege to be back. And thank you guys for having me. Yeah, man, we're, we're, uh, we're pretty, pretty stoked that, that you're with us. Obviously you got to cover some, some pretty darn good Florida teams while you were, uh, there in, in Gaines, Vegas yourself. Um, some teams, 
that didn't do so well last year were the the team Neil and team Eric's and the over under. But let's just let our listeners in on the all time embarrassment of my performance. I understand. My understanding is I had seven wins last year and at least 2009 losses. So our updated scoreboard from last year, we'll go quickly into this and then move on to next year. So Eric was the slight winner last year, but still finishing under 500. Eric with going 12 wins, 14 losses and one push. (laughs) And then Neil coming in with seven wins. 19 losses and yeah. one and one push there. Uh, you know, <laughs> it was, you know, it, it was tough. Uh, some of the things we we overall missed out, both missed out on was expected under two and a half transfers at the end of the year. Obviously, we saw <laughs> obviously we oh. saw, yeah, a little bit more of an exodus than that. A couple other misses <laughs> we got wrong, a couple of things like a three-point percentage leader, but We'll give you each uh, a notable win for Neil. It would be biggest SEC loss to Alabama. I'm sure everybody remembers that game. (laughs) Not too fondly, but probably remembers it pretty well. And a big win for Eric. He predicted that Myron Jones would have more games below 25% from three than he would over 40%. So that was a uh, that was a pretty good pick from Eric there. And then just one one funny one that I thought was good was uh, we we uh, were curious if Kowasi Reeves would keep his uh, pineapple haircut for the entire uh. year. And going into the first game, he cut it off. So that was uh, that was pretty funny going to the rest of the year. And Florida's Ken Palm score was not three times better than Georgia's as we had Ooh. predicted. So those are some notable things from last year. And uh, yeah, it should. You know what? I know it's going to go better for you guys this year. <laughs> it, has to, it has to go better, um, at least for me. I mean, I guess <laughs> there's not really anywhere to go but up after that kind of night at, at the casino. Um, <laughs> with, let's get it going. The Gators get it going tomorrow against Loyola, Mar- uh, Maryland. I almost said Loyola Marymount. Um, Loyola, Mar- Maryland. Uh, so let's let's get it going here as we record Sunday night, the night before opening tip. Yeah, for sure. So we are going to start out here with a nice, easy question for you guys. We're going to go with the season win total. At the moment, I could not find it on too many reputable sports books. So I decided to use my own line working with uh, Ken Palm, Torvik, sort of running some numbers together. This is going to be the regular season win total. And we're going to start it off at 18 and a half. So Neil, I will give you the floor first and I will let you choose if you're going to go over or under. Oh, I like the 18 and a half because that means I get to go over and listeners don't turn the show off immediately and call me too negative. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say, I think I remember when Ken Palm released that Ken Palm has, has the Gators at 18. So I think that that's probably where it's probably some pretty sharp line making there from, from Wendy's winners. Um, I'm going to go. And, and again, what this is really going to come down to, I know we've talked about it so, so many times, um, but I really think it's going to be that game with with Pittsburgh where it's like if the Gators kind of win that one, well, I guess it, it, it might come out in the wash because if they win that one, they'll get a better game. They'll probably lose. And if they lose that one, they get a point. So it actually that, that's probably going to be one and one no matter what. Ooh, I'm going to say, and I will remind people that we have not seen these before. Um, which this would have, would have been a straightforward one, but I'm going to say, I'm going to say under, I think they're going to hit exactly 18 as Ken Palm says, and uh, we'll find out, you know, one, one of me or Neil will, will go up um, in, in, in that one. So I, I will go under, and I think it's just, it's, it's, it's a sharp line. I'm going to go 18 along alongside Ken Palm. I very much enjoy that we're differing on the takes on the first answers. Mm. This, this, should, this should make for some good yes. content again, and we will see who comes out ahead. All right, we will move <laughs> on to 
Will Florida sweep any SEC opponent this year? They're going to play five teams two times, and those teams are Kentucky, Missouri, Georgia, Alabama, and Vanderbilt. So we will go – we're going to sort of ping-pong back and forth. So Eric will get the first answer on this one. Eric, will Florida sweep any SEC opponent this year? Ooh, um, I think the Gators generally got pretty favorable kind of doublehead matchups. Um, but I'm going to say that uh, I'm going to say that, no, they do not sweep any of those opponents. And I think that that'll be consistent. You know, I said they were under eight or I said they're yeah, I said they're going to be under 18 and a half wins. Um, I think it would be consistent with that to say that they don't get any sweeps with those with those opponents. All right. I am going to, yeah, why not? Let's just have two disagreements right off the bat. There you go. Let's do it, baby. Um, I think they will sweep Missouri. Sounds good. We will put that in our log so we can refer to it next year. So then we will (laughs) go with the flip side of that question, starting with Neil. Will Florida be swept by any of those SEC opponents? Ooh, okay. So we have, I'm trying to to think. Okay, so I think they're going to split Kentucky. I think they're going to sweep Missouri. I think they'll split Georgia, much to the chagrin of Twitter.com or X or whatever you want to call it. Uh, I mean, the X reactions, I'm sure, will be perfectly sane when Mike White beats Florida. <laughs> um, and then, uh, let's see, a sweep. Yes, Florida will be swept by Alabama. And Eric? Yeah, I, I just think I think logically – I. I think they are going to get swept. Um, I, and I would say, you know, I don't, I don't know if there's double points or if there, or if there's not double points, but there's just some analysis with Neil. Um, yeah. Alabama has got to be the smart one. And, and Kentucky is one of those ones too, where like, I, I don't foresee like that wouldn't be my pick, but it also wouldn't be like if we're, when we do this next fall, if we're looking back on it and Jake's like, Oh yeah. And look, we got swept by Kentucky. It's like, that wouldn't be shocking. And like, we're not that all that far removed from when Vanderbilt did sweep the Gators. And I think this Vanderbilt team's better. I think this Gators team's better, but uh, you know, it's uh, that one's it's possible. So yeah, I, I think the value is, is uh, while I try to claw some money back from, from Wendy's winners, <laughs> I, I think that uh, I think that there is some value in, in the Gators getting swept sadly as much as, uh, and, and that I actually like that question because Florida could get swept into in one of those two game series. And it doesn't necessarily mean, like they could get right. swept by Alabama, still right. have mm-hmm. a good season. So you know that's 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 when I you know could be it yeah. could get swept and things could still not go badly for the Gators or anything. Yeah, no, that's what I, I was gonna say before Jake moves on. Like I think, um, like you talk about value, right? And what does a guy that won seven last year know about value? Not a lot, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I will say that, that, like in my galaxy brain, I'm kind of like, hey, uh. The fact that Florida opens the SEC play with a Kentucky team whose average age is like 19 mm. makes me think maybe that's what obviates like the obvious sweep pick, right? Because you're like, well, you know, that's going to basically be those guys' first road game. I mean, they got a lot of tough neutral floor games because they're Kentucky. But like, <laughs> hey, it's uh, SEC play now. Welcome to Gainesville, you know, on a Saturday, which I can't remember the last time Florida actually got to play them on a Saturday. I think that's huge for Florida. No, I, I, yeah, no, I think or they don't. They don't get. They don't get that uh, last regular regular season game of the season, right? Either right. that's uh, that classic that seemed to be a thing for for a while. 
So going back to last year, Florida was swept by Vanderbilt, as we all fondly remember, and uh, Kentucky, as we remember as well. And their sweeps were LSU and Georgia. So obviously on the table Mm. here, we we will see how that role is going into this season. Let's move on to another one before we get to a biggest SEC win and biggest SEC loss. Something I found interesting. Um, We're going to take a look at the Gators' highest AP ranking this season. I'm going to set that number at 21 and a half. So at 21 and a half, we are going to start here with, yeah, it, it's a tight number, Neil. I, mm. I, saw the, I saw the look on your face. You got to understand it, it was a profitable year for the sports book. <laughs> we, we built a brand new pool at the resort. We have an upgraded buffet. We got crab legs, lobster, anything you guys could want at the resort. We'll both get you there for a night. So at 21 and a half, Neil, are we going to be taking the over? which would say that, well, for this one, we'll go over would mean that they're going to finish better than 21 and a half. Under is going to mean that they're going to finish worse than 21 and a half. So you can just say better or worse in your answer if you would like, and I'll record it as such. Um, <laughs> it's tough. Now, now we talk about that Pittsburgh game. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go worse. I think... Yeah, I'm going to go worse and and probably regret it when they're ranked like 19th before they lose to Wake Forest. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I I think <laughs> I I think that they'll sneak I think they'll sneak better than that, which I think that some people will be surprised that I'm saying that because I've taken the negative of a couple of answers so far. Um but I think that Virginia is not as good as I'll say Neil thinks, for example, and maybe consensus. I could see a situation where they knock off Virginia, let's say like comfortably, like seven or eight points. Um, you know, they beat Florida State, they beat Pittsburgh, they're sitting at five and zero, oh, and just you know, you see a couple teams ahead of them are you know are dropping, and you know if they you know maybe that are maybe that even gets them up to around that point anyways, and then if they surprise us and and, and, and get a win over Baylor or something like that, that would essentially do it. And that takes away even the, that doesn't even count the opportunities within the sec that will of course be pretty good. But I, I think as we've even seen with the Gators and the eight people re- recently, it's like, <laughs> I kind of feel like this, my fear with this question is um, if the Gators are doing it. And I think that Neil, you just alluded to it as well. If it happens, it's probably going to be in the first three weeks of the season. Um, that would be my, my guess. So this is one that like, um, you know, I hope we don't call have to call after three weeks because it's that obvious because hopefully they surge in the SEC and, uh, you know, we hope that they do really well. But, uh, yeah, I, I'll just I'll, I'll say they find a way to to get better than that number and get up to the 19 or 20. And, and Jake, I, I know you are playing both the role of the, the all knowing sharps at the sports book, but I, I feel like. I, it's it's like doing a disservice if we don't get some of your takes as, as well on the podcast. So if you can mm-hmm. remove yourself now that we have gotten our official stances on the on the page, I'd love to hear your opinion on this particular one. What you would take? Yeah, yeah. So I when I was looking at that number, I it's tough when I look at Florida's schedule, especially getting into SEC play. I think if they're going to beat that number, it's going to be based off of a five and zero start where they sort of get those wins over Virginia, Florida State, Pittsburgh. I think it is early in the season, and my thought on that just in terms of this line and this AP poll is 
a lot of those AP voters who are voting in basketball are a lot of beat writers who are still covering football, sort of kind of half-assed looking at the scoreboard, mm -hmm. looking at their CBS Sports app, you know, exclusively for the scores of who's doing well in the SEC, in the ACC, in the Big East. And my thought is if they can put together 5-0 with, as people say, the logo – I think there's a chance that they can get in that 1920 range where people aren't really looking at a lot of the mid-majors who might be, you know, better later in the year, might put together an interesting upset in a preseason tournament. So my thought with that is that I think that they will finish better than 21 and a half. I think they're going to start the season really strong. I think they can start the year five and zero, and I think we'll see them at about 19 or 20, which is why I set that number right at about there. Surprise and not, not surprisingly, but not ranked at all last year. So last year they were unranked in the AP poll. So I didn't go back and see when that was the last time they've been unranked the entire year since. I would have to imagine it's been a few seasons. So maybe uh, afterwards I'll look that up and then you guys can mention that on the next show. Well, I don't remember exactly, but we talked about it at some point in the offseason just because like a general look at the Florida program, like you can look at mm -hmm. college basketball reference and look at any program in their AP poll history and like you will be surprised at how like, like obviously people listening to this podcast won't be like, Oh, I was under the impression Florida has been living in the top 25 for the last nine years. But like, I think people will be surprised at how few weeks they've spent. And I think it was like, I want to say, Oh, I should, I should just look it up while we're talking, but I think it was like seven weeks in the last couple of years. And like three or four of them were when the Gators started um, seventh with like Carrie Blackshear and Scotty Lewis and Trey Mann. <laughs> and, and it was like seventh, 14th, 21st, 24th. Like, it was like, if they didn't start so high, they probably wouldn't have, you know, they probably wouldn't have had any weeks. So um, yeah, it is one of those things that if you want, like, this is a bigger conversation that I'm not trying to derail the current podcast, but if you want to talk about the current state of Florida basketball, um, that is, you know, over the last decade now, essentially, um, and maybe the lack of, you know, like Jake said, there is still some, oh, someone's going to see the Florida logo and five and oh, and maybe they get up to around 25th in Ken Palm with that record. Um, that might be enough, but I think that there's, you know, there could be some people that are like, I don't know. I haven't seen this team ranked a whole bunch over the last eight or nine yeah. years. And so anyways, but yeah. I, you, you should definitely look it up after Jake and you will uh, and text me what you think, because it will be funny. Your reaction. Oh, hundred percent. I will definitely get that. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm honestly curious to look it up now. I don't know why my brain didn't go to that immediately, but anywho, we will move on to just two more team things. And then we'll start to get some of uh, some of the more in individual accolades and awards and sort of percentages. And we'll get into that. So we're going to go with, uh, uh, I enjoyed this one last year. Uh, we're going to go with starting with biggest SEC win. Who will it be against? If you want to throw a number out, feel free to do that. We will start here with Neil. Neil, who will the Gators' biggest SEC win be against this season? And if you want to throw out a number or a margin, feel free to do that as well. Man. Um, so, you know, I've kind of gone. I knew I figured this would be one because this is one we've had every year yeah. the Windy Winners. And I, I, I oscillated. I kind of, oh, you know, I don't know if they're ready to, to win a game like that. I'm going to go ahead. Let, let's just be bold. Like, if I take an L here, I take an L here. Um, but if you want big money, you know, scared money, don't, whatever that <laughs> says. <laughs> scared money has yet to make him money. Um, that said, I'm going to go Arkansas at home on January wow. 13th. That's the game I think that will be the biggest win for the Gators. Um you know, the obvious answer, because I tipped my hand a little on Kentucky, would have been that Kentucky 
but I like Florida uh, to beat Arkansas at home on Saturday. I, one thing I love about this schedule, and Jake will understand this having covered the team, Eric will understand this having worked in the sport, but our listeners, actually our listeners, most of them are pretty smart enough to understand this too, but like these weekend home games and league play, to have them be against tough opponents is huge. Like it is just, even in the Donovan era, like, yeah, there were some packed Wednesday nights, but it's just better. It's just a better environment on weekends. It can be a very difficult place to play. And let's not forget that Arkansas has won one time in Gainesville in the last 20 years. Like it's not like they just roll into Gainesville and win all the time. So that's my pick. Wow. Uh, you might need to generate an adjusted line there for the, the Arkansas pick. Cause that's got to like, Neil is definitely going to, what, what I'm about to say is, is going to net me the least money if I'm correct, because I'm going to extremely chalk here. Um, the date is Saturday, March 2nd and the Gators <laughs> go on the road to South Carolina, who unfortunately I think is, is, just not a very good team. I think they are devoid of talent. Their secret scrimmage and exhibition season has not gone very well. I think by March 2nd, which would be the um, third to last game for the Gators. Um, I think that the Gators are going to be, um, and again, I don't know if this is going to step on any toes of any future questions, but like the Gators will for sure be playing for valuable seed lines at that point in the season, I will say. And I will. I think that South Carolina is not going to have anything to play for. I do not think that will be a very lively crowd. And I think the. I think a very hungry Gators team will 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 beat a South Carolina team that is uh, that is nothing really to play for. And I think that that's probably on the board. That would be the, the the shortest odds. I think that that's a pretty obvious one. So we'll see it. We'll see if Chalk comes through or if if Neil can get, okay. a, get a big big win. There. Okay. Okay. Hold on. So. I'm going to admit to being an idiot. Um, <laughs> I I literally thought we were talking about their biggest, like, marquee resume. Oh! oh. <laughs> okay. I was like... Oh, no. So then, then I you was like, Neil, Neil, at plus 2,000 comes in with, with Arkansas. <laughs> you, just, you just rolled out, like, the most <laughs> logical argument for, like, something that would be almost impossible to disagree with. And I was like, biggest resume win. Oh well, they they get they get Arkansas at home, like yeah. <laughs> oh okay, um, yeah. I I just thought I picked like the minus one twenty answer, and you picked the plus two thousand. I'm like, hey, we're just going for going for broke, so I'll give you a chance to uh, leave it to, to uh, the blonde to, guy to to <laughs> have the like the most classic moment in the sixth season of Florida basketball hour. Can you Always imagine the- though? Can you imagine though now? Like, what if Florida wins? I like, came by twenty five. You'll be a legend, Neil. If you, if you that'll be a great uh, call. But no, I, I, I will, I will. Uh, yeah, I think you. What is what is well, your your new answer upon so, upon reflection? And this is an SEC play, correct? Yes, an SEC play. <laughs> oh my god, I, I, I can't believe. It. <laughs> I was gonna say you, you can't pick like Merrimack or Grambling State for this one. It's, it's, <laughs> oh my god, um, <laughs> that's amazing. Can't believe that that just happened. Um, I'm gonna go with LSU on February 13th at home. Mm. 
Sounds good. And then we will go to the uh, – <laughs> we will go – also, I, I was just looking through South Carolina's roster. You guys might have realized this. I didn't. Did you guys know Tyler Hero's brother is playing for South Carolina next year, Austin Hero? I, I might just oh. be out of the loop on this. I just – I I did I not found know that. that. I found that interesting. I saw a hero that looked way too much like Tyler not to be related. So it's uh, – yeah, so in case you're wondering, Tyler Hero's brother playing for South Carolina next year. So uh, that's something to look forward to for that team for Heat fans. Anyways, we will now go to biggest SEC loss by margin. We will go to Eric first. Eric, would you like to give us your biggest SEC loss? Loss by margin. Good to good to know. By uh, margin. My, <laughs> <laughs> their biggest loss again. No, um, I will. Uh, yeah, again, I think I just like have to go somewhat somewhat chalky here. Um, yeah, I. I I think that uh, I think that Texas A&M um, on the road, February third. Um, I know Texas A&M is uh, you know some people some people think they're the the, the best team in the league. Um, I just think that the Gators have you know had some success. I thought they looked looked okay the way that the, the way that they matched up with with Tennessee last year, and I think that that matchup is going to be kind of there as well. And I think that Texas A&M this year again with those kind of like more mobile um, but still physical bigs. Mm-hmm. That one little guard that can get wherever he wants on the floor, and uh, a guy in, in in Buzz Williams that I think is uh, just e- executed really well strategy wise in these big games. I just think like while I, I I'm not on the side of Texas A&M being the best team, I think I would go Tennessee. So I think there'd be some value in in picking the the game at Tennessee. I'm going to say it's going to be at Texas A&M, and just that that matchup I just has not been kind to the Gators, and I don't think it's any kinder this year. Real quick comment on that one before Neil jumps in with his answer. What's interesting about that and shows how far Texas A&M has sort of come building their program under Buzz Williams here is in previous years, the biggest win answer has pretty commonly involved Texas A&M when we've done this in previous years Hmm. in terms of an opponent Florida could beat up on, get a big win under. So it really is interesting to see after a few years of doing this show and seeing how that program has been built up in a place that's pretty damn hard to win basketball-wise, you know, to see how far they've come in the last couple of years. It's just been interesting to me. So now we will go to Neil for his answer. Yeah, I, so I'm not going to – I will say that Florida's last three games with Texas A&M have been decided by a combined five points. So mm. that would certainly buck the trend of, of close basketball games. Um, for me, it's – it's. I've already said I think they're going to beat Arkansas because obviously – the biggest resume win was clearly the what way these winners sports are going to know um guess where they go three days after that arkansas game they go to tom they go to thompson bowling uh, to get their asses handed to them is where they go i i think i think that's a pretty good answer if i were answering this question as well i think i also would go with tennessee on the road thompson bowling just not a place that is treated even it's a hard place to play it is a hard place to play and one, one of the biggest places that they will play at so that is a good answer from both you guys. We will jump now to some of our individual questions here. So we will go back to Neil. We're going to go with an easy one here. Very straightforward. Who's going to be the leading score for Florida this season? Yeah, uh, it's going to be Riley Kugel, guys. Brian, am I breaking news here? <laughs> yeah, this 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 one could have been like, I mean, last year it was, it was kind <laughs> of the same situation where we almost that almost would have been an interesting one. Maybe next year, Jake, we've got to get you to if there's a clear, a clear favorite. Maybe we do need to handicap this and see if it's like, like if I could get, you know, Zion Pullen plus four, like I might, I might get into that. 
but I think in just a straight a straight pick, I, I've got to go. Uh, I've got to go Riley Kugel here, and uh, yeah, that'll that'll be my pick. Nothing, nothing, uh, nothing too interesting on that one. Yeah, I think that is the uh, you know obvious right answer there. So we're gonna move to uh, another question, and this is one of what I called the unscorables last year. This is just more so you know something I think is an interesting topic point, something interesting to discuss real quick. So we'll go back to Eric. It may, it may be the same answer as well, but Florida's overall offensive player of the year, who would you pick if you had to go with that one, taking into account everything that goes into offense? So obviously, passing, shooting, offensive rebounding, whatever you want to put into it, who would you go with for your offensive player of the year? Yeah, I'll, I'll go Zion Pullen. And uh, I, I don't know if this will end with you. Uh, if We'll see what Neil says. It's different. Maybe this is something we have to politic and argue in high school debate format at the end. But I'll say... Um, you know, I think that Kugel will have several points per game on, on Zion Pullen. I think Pullen will have several assists per game. And uh, I think his efficiency is going to be going to be a lot higher. And, and again, we'll be able to argue usage. And if uh, Riley Kugel is someone who just has to take a lot of shots and hurts his efficiency, maybe maybe we get there. But um, I will I will craft an argument. I'm, I'm going to predict me crafting an argument at the end of the year that it is the efficiency and playmaking of, of Zion Pullen that would make him Florida's most impactful offensive player or whatever the wording was there on the question. And Neil? Yeah, I, I mean, I can't, this is one that is boring because we're going to agree. I can, mm. I can add a take to it, I guess, which is, for I, sure. was at, I was looking at um, offensive win shares stats uh, because I've been doing this silly countdown um, on Florida basketball with like great Gator players. And so some of the top five, either would or would not surprise you, right, with offensive win shares at Florida. Like, what didn't surprise me, for example, was that Matt Walsh's was really high. Um, what didn't surprise me was that, you know, Kenny Boynton's was really high. Um, I think Zion Pullen has a shot to, like, be in that Chris Chioza as a senior type situation where Cheese is fourth all time in offensive win shares as a senior. And I was like, really? He didn't shoot that well. Like, but it didn't matter. Like all the other things he did um, kind of obviously got him up there. And, you know, we could probably get a whole lecture from Dr. Fawcett about why there's flaws with offensive wind shares. But um, yeah, Zion Pullen is, is going to be up there. I like that answer. So I was just going to, I was just going to ask for your, that's one that like, whether it be scoring or, or overall offensive impact, MVP. Um, I just, that's what I definitely am curious your take, Jake. Like this is, this is one of the ones I need you to butt in to, to hear what you say. Yeah. So I, I know this is going to be really boring. I think I would go with Zion Pullen as well. My only take in that being, well, we think Riley Kugel will be the leading scorer with that. I think comes a lot of late game situations where the ball is in his hands, creating high pressure situations where we might see a higher turnover margin. We might see a slightly lower efficiency on shooting percentages. So my thought is because Kugel, I would have to think is going to be the guy in a lot of those situations who they're giving the final shot to the ball in the final two minutes. They're letting him sort of have the offense flow through him. I think that might just lead for a little bit 
of a drop in efficiency in his overall right. offensive numbers. So that's personally why I would go with Zion and pull in this one. So yeah, I, th- I personally think that's the right answer. Obviously this is one we can't particularly score, but when you guys do your end of season wrap up show, obviously this is something that you guys can go back to and refer to what your thoughts were preseason. And for example, last year, you guys both picked Colin Castleton, which, you know, we can discuss the merits of if that was the right or wrong answer. And then for, de- <laughs> and then for defensive player of the year, um, Eric chose uh, Alex Fudge and Neil chose Niles Lane, which we will now go to this year's question of who will this year's defensive player of the year be Neil? If we could, we, Neil, we will let you answer this one first. And then you can talk about your answer from last year if you would like as well. I mean, it's not my fault that they didn't play the guy, right? <laughs> it's not, that is not my fault. All I know is that Florida was behind by 11 against Kentucky at home on senior night. And when Niles Lane finally came back off the floor, they were up by four, right? I mean, like, I don't know. Um, that that was the sample size I got, Eric. Um, and and we'll just – that's all I have to say about that, to quote Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> um, Florida's most outstanding defensive player. Jeez, uh, it's going to be Tyree Samuel. I – I think that there will be people on Twitter, that gospel of truth, that suggest it's Micah Hand locked in because he's going to block some shots. I think there will be people who insist it's Walter Clayton because I think his steal number is going to be high. Um, it's going to be Tyrus Samuel. He's going to be the guy who – is the key to their interior defense. He's going to be a guy who can guard three spots um, pretty comfortably. That's who it's going to be in, in my view, Eric. Yeah. Uh, it's, I, I would have, like, I think again, like you said, if, if Hamlockton plays, um, you know, solid minutes, he could like get close to two blocks per game and probably some pretty good steals per game and probably some really good defensive rebounding numbers. And, and I think people will look to that, but um, even if that's the case, I, I, I have a tough time imagining him truly being um, Florida's best defensive player, even one of their, their best ones necessarily. Um, I will also go back to last year and say that uh, I was maybe under the impression that it was defense uh, prorated to a per 36 um, with Alex fudge. Um, so, you know, I thought he showed some potential, but uh, yeah, uh, uh I, hey, he made a, he's played minutes for the Lakers last night, um, largely because of his defense. So the potential was always there. Actually, that's one of the ones I like. It's funny coming back, but I'm like, I don't know if things like broke well. Yeah. I could have seen Fudge, much like if, yeah. if Lane played more, you could have seen him in, in the mix. So I don't think we have anything to be ashamed of those answers necessarily, but um, we're definitely going to try to pick someone who we think is going to be on the floor a little bit more this year. Um, I think it'll be Will Richards. Um, I think that there's going to be a lot of, um, different guard slash wing lineups where Richard is going to constantly be guarding the opposing team's best player. And I think he's going to get somewhat of a reputation for doing so. And, you know, oftentimes in the, the court of public opinion with defense, it's, uh, uh, you know, it's an, it's a narrative based thing. Everyone likes to talk about that. And especially in NBA um, defensive, you know, first team all defense and defensive player of the year, it's, it's very narrative based. And uh, I think that there's already like a lot of, um, conversation about will richard's defense and i think it's 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 warranted i think he's a really solid defender on the ball as and as a help defender i think tari samuel is a good answer i think my one fear would be that he ends up playing 
a lot more five uh, and ends up just getting some matchups um, inside where he gets scored on. And I think it could almost be Kavarius Hayes-esque where Kavarius Hayes was like some of the bigger body guys were, were posting him up and drop stepping and, and finishing layups. And people were like, Oh, like that's bad defense, but they didn't realize that he was an incredible pick and roll defender. And, and you know, Hayes was a shot blocker. Samuel isn't, but I do think Samuel is, is going to be a very good defensive player. That would be my, if I didn't pick Will Richard, it would have been Tyree Samuel, but I'll go, I'll go the wing guy. But I think that that years of voting at multiple levels has, has, has shown that, um, Picking big men um, for defensive awards is always uh, there's there's that's usually a better pick. So I think that there's there's I think Samuel's a good one, but I'll go Will, Will Richard. Yeah, I want to add. I, I love that pick. I mean, I, I that was that this one was a hard one, Jake, because I think uh, I think Richard is is marvelous. Last year, his uh, effective field goal percentage against was um, point. Hold on, I had it right in front of me. <laughs> Yeah, his effective field goal percentage against was uh, 38.6, second highest on the Gators behind Niles Lane. Had to get that plug in there. Um, so, I mean, like, you know, obviously just a marvelous defensive player um, to do that at under 40 with the types of players that he was guarding. And I, there was a quick Kavaris Hayes mention in there. I just want to say I, I have been impressed with the player that he has truly become overseas in Europe. And one of the interesting things yeah, I saw – yeah, on the team he's playing on in Lithuania, actually, has some interesting college names when I was looking back on it. He's playing alongside Brady Manick, who we, of course, remember from UNC and Oklahoma, uh, Nazmitru Long, who, of course, is a great point guard at Iowa State, and then Keenan Evans from that, mm. you know, that, that Texas Tech game, unfortunately, in the round of 32 there in Dallas, which I was there for and was about 99.9% Texas Tech fans. Still a little bit salty. Think Chris Chios had some ticky-tack fouls called on him. He doesn't get those fouls called on him. You think? I think, I, I think Florida ends up winning that game. That was uh, that was definitely a tough one, but that was one of the cooler environments I've seen a game in with, uh, unfortunately, basically being a Texas Tech home game there in Dallas. Yeah, there's there's good Gator content in EuroLeague this year. So uh, Kamari Says plays for Zilgiris in, in Lithuania, as Jake mentioned. Um, but one of the, the funnier kind of storylines is um, in Ephesus in, in uh, Turkey – where Nick Calathis has been for multiple years, the the general manager came out and said like, Hey, we're kind of done with Nick Calathis. He's, he's old. He's been good for us, but like, we're looking to get better at that position. And then they didn't end up signing anyone. So Calathis is there as like <laughs> this, this like black sheep, but then they also signed Scotty Wilbekin. So Nick Calathis and Scotty Wilbekin are on the same team right now. And uh, so that's like pretty cool to see. And, uh, and then just uh, two days ago, Basconia um, in Spain just signed Chris Chioza. So Chioza's out there as well. So uh Good to keep up with the, uh, the the Gators. Everyone knows that I, you know, love my European basketball year. So I, when I when I hear a Zogiris Kavaris Hayes reference, gotta get it in. But um, yeah, there's a he's he might be you know he's he might be approaching defender of the 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 decade here for for the Gators. So once we do our our Wendy's winners, you know, uh, awards show for the last decade of Florida basketball. <laughs> I, I no, I like that a lot. So we will move on to, of course, some more individual ones. And actually, speaking of Alex Fudge, he will work into a prop question that we will have later in the show. So Alex Fudge will actually be a part of this year's show. We will get to that later. Uh, our last unscorable question here, we're just going to go with most impactful newcomer. So we will start off with Eric here. Eric, who is our most overall impactful newcomer going to be on the Gators this season? Oh, man. 
uh, it's got to be Tyree Samuel because oh, I want to I want to say Pollen, but there's just there's there's competition at that spot. Um, I do have some le- legitimate fear of. Uh, like if the Gators, not I mean not fear because this would maybe be a good thing, but say the Gators play really really well against Virginia, and obviously play really well in their bye games, it could be a challenge. Like you see this all the time, usually with injuries, not suspension, but like if things kind of get rolling in, in one direction, um, it can be tough for players to work their way back in kind of fully. So uh, I I, I want to say Pollen, but uh, I think I think we kind of we just we just. I've preached too much about the fact that we know what Tyree Samuel is. And I think we just know that he's going to be um, a double digit, but not big time score. And we know he's going to rebound the ball pretty well, but not great. And we know he's going to be a really good defender. And, and I think we're just going to come, I think we're going to look at the end of the year and he's going to be like third or fourth on the Gators in scoring and first or second in our conversation for best defender. And I think that, Pullen's going to be like second in scoring, maybe the most impactful offensive player, but like maybe the fourth or fifth most impactful defensive. So it's, it's, it's really close. Uh, I'll go Tyree Samuel though. And Neil, Neil, who will our most impactful newcomer be this season? Yeah. I was having issues uh, clicking the, the, um, <laughs> the mute, the, the mute yeah, button. <laughs> guys, I'm just having a go of it here. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I'm going Tyree Samuel too. It, it, I was encouraged that like Zion Pullen kind of played just out of his mind against Miami and Coral Gables in the secret scrimmage because I was like, ah, that's good. Like, let's let it just be known how important that guy is to them beating someone good because Miami's really good. Um, you know, because then he didn't play. I think Zion played like 10 minutes in the FIU scrimmage. And that's fine. Tyrus Samuel was a monster in both those games, by the way. So if, if secret scrimmages actually mean anything, then, um, you know, and don't tell the people up here in Chapel Hill that they don't <laughs> because they right now are roasting the fat pig over that FAU win they got, which yeah. tell, tells you where they are. I think FAU struggled in their other scrimmage as well. So, um, you know, maybe that's just – Maybe that's, uh, yeah, that, that's what, one of those things. It's like, if that you killed someone else. But um, I, I will also say, and I think I wrote about this in Gator Country, but, um, like, one of my favorite things is, is anytime I can get um, opposing coaches' thoughts on, on the Gators, it's always most interesting. It's also, like, I feel like when you talk to opposing coaches, you either get the best information or, or the worst. So, because sometimes it's, like, unfiltered, totally honest, and, like, they don't know the narratives from the other side. So it's like totally honest, or it can be like, Oh, this one player, you know, really like pissed me off or whatever reason. And then they give you like salty bad info. But I will say that a Miami assistant told me that in the scrimmage, Tyree Samuel was unquestionably Florida's best player. And I thought it was interesting. Cause I think he had, I don't know, like, I think he was Florida's second leading score. I think he had like 14 or something. Kugel had, whatever, 19 yeah. or 20 or something. And I don't think his rebounding numbers were huge. But again, I think that it was a little bit of that kind of coach yeah. thing, like probably caused some some issues defensively. Um, I know he, you can see from the, the highlights, he had a couple lobs that I think just probably st- like stressed their pick and roll defense in a way that they probably weren't expecting. And um, that's one of those things that I, you know, you take it with a, a massive grain of salt at, at this point. But I uh, will say a Miami assistant said that uh, Florida's best player in that scrimmage was, was Tyree Samuel. 
Yeah, he had he had 19 and six. So oh. and and I was told at ACC tip off that yeah, same thing. Like not, they didn't tell me he was his best player, but they said you know hey we got Norchad O'Meara up against Tyree Samuel, and that was like really huge for us in the scrimmage because we could see him against a very good big. And I was like, oh, a very good big, you say. <laughs> yeah. You know, your your ears perk up. Also wanted to give a quick shout out to FIU. They're the uh the real University of Miami, as uh the, the, <laughs> the real ones from down here. No, not the uh not that other University of Coral Gables. Anyways, we will <laughs> move we will move on here from UCG and FIU. We will go to the best scoring performance of the season. That's gonna be the best individual scoring performance of the season. So in one game. Highest score, we will start first here with, I think it is Neil's chance to answer yeah. first on this one. So, Neil, take it away. Is it is it yeah. is it player or or number or both? So, so, it is, so you're going to give me the player, and then you're going to give me how many points you think he will score in his highest mm-hmm. scoring performance. Gotcha, gotcha. All right, I'm going uh, Riley Kugel, and I am going 33. Very nice. And then Eric, let's see if uh, I'm curious if it'll be Rally Kugel or if you'll have a, a wild card answer here. Ooh, I got to go wild just for kicks. I think that there's like one of those games where, um, you know, I just thought that Tyree Samuel scored like 14 and it was, it was, it was 19. Um, I think that big men have that ability where it's like they, they can have those situations where like they can score six on post-ups um, and then they end up getting like six on the offensive glass and six on dump offs and then like eight rim running. And suddenly you look up and you're like, oh, man, they've got they've got 24. And I'm going to say that Tyree Samuel playing the four in an early season by game is 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 going to put up 29. And uh, it'll be it'll be like one of those quiet 29s, kind of like what Colin Castleton could put up sometimes. And uh, yeah, I just think like, again, it's it's. Uh, I think Riley Kugel is really good, and I uh, and I think he's going to have some some I, some bigger games. I just like he he seems like a little bit more of a gamer that um, is 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 going to get twenty when you need it against Alabama. But I I don't I don't know if he's like you know I think he can probably conserve himself a little bit against again in some of these bye games. So I'll I'll say Tyree Samuel getting one of those like big man twenty nine pointers where like he has a bunch of dump offs and offensive rebounds, and you look up and midway through the second and you're like, Oh man, he's at 22. And then he's going to finish with 29. That'll be my, my choice. So then the flip side of that question, which I uh, always enjoy and uh, looking back on last year's answer to this one, which is just always interesting to me, uh, best scoring performance by an opponent. Both of you guys mm. said it would be Oscar Shibway. The answer was actually Tolu Smith was the opponent high score against the Gators last year. We know he, uh, oh. he yeah, which was interesting. So it was interesting to see that one there. I'm actually going to get his exact stats from that. I, I should have had that pulled up. Yeah, there. that was a big game. Yeah, no, that was uh, that, that was obviously impressive there from Tolu Smith. Nope, that is the wrong game. And then it was the uh, it was the SEC tournament where he dropped 28 on the Gators, obviously in an overtime loss, which would effectively – the end of the Gators, let's call it real season before that. Uh, whatever that NIT game was against UCF, I'm, I'm just going to pretend that didn't happen since that was uh, that was not a fun <laughs> watch. So, uh, so we will go with the highest opponent performance. Eric, we will go with you here. Who are you rolling with? Um, I, I kind of oh, every, it, this happened last year when I was like I was kind of hoping that I kind of wanted to get like too cute with it and pick like a player from one of Florida's buy games that would put up like 27 
just because like, you know, they lose by 30 and someone needs to take all the shots and someone's like 12 for 27 from the field. Um, but uh, I, 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 one of the things I look back on with, with last year's um, with last year's predictions is like, I feel like I didn't, I, I, I lacked some consistency. Like with some of my predictions, it was like, they couldn't logically both come true. Um, if I just like reasoned it in my mind and I've already said, and I'm trying to be a little more consistent this year. So I already said that Texas A&M was going to have the, the biggest performance against the Gators. So, you know, I will go with the unanimous uh, best player in, uh, or the, the preseason, I shouldn't say unanimous best player, the, the preseason player of the year in the SEC, uh, Wade Taylor. And I think he gets loose for uh, 27, 27 points for Wade Taylor. Alrighty, and Neil, your turn for a rebuttal here. I'm going straight to the mean streets of the 954, Broward County, going to Mari Monsanto. Oh, He's yes. Off on Florida. How many points, Neil? How many points, Neil? 28. 28 points. Sounds good. Got those both recorded. We will go back to a Florida question, guys. This year, who will lead the team in three-point percentage? Obviously, that'll be a qualified number, so, you know, we have Jack May coming out and he goes one for one from three. That's obviously not going to be an answer that we will accept. So obviously whoever qualifies those numbers figure themselves out when we look at stats at the end of the year. So we will start here with Neil since we had Eric answer the last question first. Neil, who's going to lead the Gators in three-point percentage this year? Will Richard. I think that's a very fair answer, Eric. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that, you know, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I, I'll uh, – okay. Uh, I got to go something different. Okay. Uh, I'm going to throw a question you back. Don't you. really, you don't, you don't overthink this. <laughs> Jake, you, you I'm going to have a question. Yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to question to throw back to you. I'm going to, I'm going to say Walter Clayton Jr. And I'm going to say, Jake, are you at all concerned with the fact that in our two secret scrimmages, Walter Clayton went one for six from three and one for six from three? Because I'm so, thinking about it a whole lot while I'm, uh, you know, it's it's a you know it's a two game sample. That's that's weird, but it's you know two one for six performances is uh, is interesting. I, I think it's a little Myron Jonesy is, is sort of what the mm. word was you were looking for there. I <laughs> one one of the things that worries me with Clayton Junior is sort of when you look at his shooting motion, where the shot starts from, and sort of the competition he was going against, and the rate of game speed that he's playing in. I worry that. Even if he finishes the year as a better three-point shooter and those numbers look better at the end of the year, yeah. I worry that at the start of the year with sort of that jump in competition where even if Florida State's not going to be a great team this year, we know that they're always going to have their size and they're always going to have their athleticism. I think there's going to be a pretty big learning curve for Walter Clayton Jr. when he gets into this league. So like I said, while I think he's going to finish the year probably as a solid three-point shooter somewhere in that, you know, maybe in that 32, 33, 34 range, somewhere around there, hopefully, I worry the start of the season that learning curve might be where we see some of those games that are one for six oh for five and where he just keeps shooting because that's a lot of what his role is going to be in terms of you know a score so that is the one thing that worries me about Walter Clayton Jr. game speed where the shot starts and sort of just that learning curve at the uh at the start of the season so uh yeah that's that's more or less my thoughts yeah. on that Walter I, I don't like hearing Myron Jonesy about the player I just picked for, you know, three-point percentage, but, hey, I knew what I was getting myself into. Um, I, I thought it was quite interesting that Florida did not shoot well as a team against Miami. So if you remember the timeline of events, um, Florida doesn't shoot well against Miami. 
Then Julian Richwing gets cleared. And in Chris Harry's piece, um, Golden says something along the lines of like, oh, he's a three-point shooter that we really need. And I, and a lot of people like on Gator country, were talking about that. And just like, cause I, I feel like a lot of people were like, Oh, the Gators going to be a really good shooting team. Look at these guys they brought in, you know, like, like three point shooting was kind of a, was going to be a strength. And then everyone was kind of pointing <laughs> out that like, Oh, it's interesting that golden said like, Oh, a three point shooter that like, you know, we could, we could use. And then they go out against um, FIU and also don't shoot the ball particularly well. So that if you're looking for some kind of like, you know, conspiracy theory-ish type thing or, or maybe some breadcrumbs about Florida maybe not being the best shooting team. Um, you know, they had two scrimmages. They didn't shoot the ball particularly well. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want to say, like, I certainly hope and there, I don't think that, like, Julian Richwain was rushed back because, um, the, you know, the Gators feel they need three-point shooting. But, like, yeah, it was kind of interesting for a guy that was supposed to be out a couple more months that that, that he's back in early. So, um, yeah, we'll see if three point shooting is uh, is better. I think I, people might be just cringing listening to this because I think people are desperate for for a good three point shooting team. So, sort of tying into that question, we will go uh, we will go to the team percentage here. So, last year Florida shot thirty one point four percent from three point land, which was good for 313th in the entire country. Obviously that uh, you never really want to be in the three hundreds in anything. It's just, unless you're like looking at tempo and you're looking at like Virginia, you know, mm. then, then it's okay to be in the three hundreds, but really not somewhere that you want to be in the national number. So this year we're going to say and hope that they shoot at a slightly better percentage this year. I'm going to set that number at 32.7, Eric. Are we taking the over or are we taking the under on that number for team three-point percentage? Uh, yeah, I, I've got to take over. I think that, that would be like probably – like that would be somewhere around like the 250s, I think, nationally. So like I just – I think I just – I do think they are a better shooting team. Um, I think my one fear from an efficiency standpoint was would just be that they, they plan on shooting a ton of threes. And, of course, that can – hurt efficiency like no matter how good like even if the Gators shoot the ball super well it's hard to imagine them being like top 50 because they're just going to shoot so many that they'd rather shoot 34 percent but higher volume than 35 percent but less volume but so yeah I just think I think that that you know I I to be honest with you I I think that the uh the Wendy's winners lines have been been really really tough so far I, I think this one's a little low and uh, I think the Gators clear this one comfortably but Oh man, it's they have, they have shown the ability to. I've not come close to that as well. Yeah, I, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with over as well and just keep it boring. But but I will say that Florida shot about 32.7 percent from deep against FIU. So you know, I, <laughs> so that was, never... that was that was 245th last year was was BYU at at 30 32.7. So this is like kind of like saying, do you think the Gators will be a top 240? Oh, Jimmer for debt is rolling over in his grave at that number, <laughs> man. I, Jimmer's not dead. I hope. By the way, <laughs> I don't know why. I just yep. killed, no, he's, he's I playing just three, 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 three on three he's basketball three, with, with Canyon with Canyon yeah. Barry. So yeah, he's don't. don't okay, I was like. So far on this show, I've I've said our biggest win would be against Arkansas, thinking it was a resume win, and I've killed Jimmer Fredette. So it's going well. So we will jump to another team question here, and I know this is one of you know this is one of our favorite topics over the year. We're going to go to tempo numbers. So last year, if we just go by Ken Palm adjusted overall tempo, Florida ranked. Um, sorry, I just had this number pulled up. Florida was 70th in the country last year, so obviously on the quicker side. 
I'm going to set that number at 70 and a half to see where we range on that number. So we'll go with Neil for the first one here. Do we think they're going to play quicker than nationally? Do we think they're going to be basically quicker than the 71st? So 70 and a half. So will they be 70 or better in terms of tempo or they'd be 70 or worse in terms of tempo? I think they'll be better. They were fourth in the SEC in tempo in just league play last year, which I think um, was a little over that number. Um, and I think a lot of that was, you know, obviously they've had to play five and a half league games without Colin, um, but they didn't really slow down when Colin left. They just kind of uh, just allowed more points and played as many possessions. So, and it was a choice, I guess, but that was the choice they made. Um, so yeah, no, I think they're going to be over. I do think, I think playing a little quicker is definitely in Todd's DNA, if you will. <laughs> That's a good, real ones. Remember, um, so this is, so the, the real, this is a, this is a good line. This what's very interesting about that line is the yeah, it's fact really that, good. is that, so last year, the Gators, so if you actually look, you know, if you look the like one level deeper, it was like the Gators are 146th in offensive possession length. And I feel like they're going to be way faster than that. So that makes you want to say that they're going to be faster than 70th. However, last year, the Gators were 51st in defensive possession length. And that's a really curious number because the Gators were, were good defensively. But and usually teams that are good defensively force longer possessions. And that's also one of the reasons why, like, I don't like using adjusted tempo as a way to evaluate how fast a team plays, because usually when people say how fast does a team play, they want to know offensively. So I'd rather look yeah. at offensive possession like, but but the number is tempo. And that's the, what, the one everyone cites at, at Kempom. So, like, I feel like the Gators are going to be faster offensively, but I think they're going to be a good defensive team that forces longer defensive possessions. So uh, I feel like they're going to be. Like this is one like if you said just just cold where do I think the Gators would be I would I would have said like 80th so I'll go with that and say that they're gonna be slower but yeah this was a this was a sharp line I'll I'll, I'll go I'll I'll go slower than than 70th. So next we will jump to sort of another Ken Palm number here we will go to offensive efficiency last year ranked oh. 100 yeah last year we did not do well in that one last year no that one so so last year the number was. Um, <laughs> If I can even find it, I will, you know, when you guys are answering, I will go back and try and find that one. But last year they finished 139th in offensive efficiency in the hopes that they're going to be better this year. I'm going to set that number at 109 and a half. So 109.5 is going to be the line there. Um, I can't remember who answered the last question first, but I'm just going to go right back to Eric or we're, you know, we're going to go to Neil here. We're going to, we're going to ping pong over to Neil, mm. Neil, will the Gators be better than one nine and a half or worse than one nine and a half? God, they're going to be better than one nine and a half, but it's going to be close, man. I like this line too. I, and I, this may be the most disappointing portion of the, of the show for our listeners, but I mean, it's just schematic y'all. I mean, like I, until they run better stuff, I can't be like, they're going to sail way past that in good faith. Yeah. I, 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 I will say that they are going to be better than that. Um, I just, 
you, the, you, you just have to think that the, the offensive scheme will be, will be much improved and hopefully overhauled. And uh, while I think that Florida's offensive talent last year was a lot better than consensus, where I think some fans kind of settled into just thinking that everyone on the Gators sucked and couldn't score and couldn't shoot. And I, I do think that the Gators talent was a lot better than a lot of people think. I still do think this team is, has, has upgraded um, it's, it's talent offensively. I also think that they're going to have the ability to just, if things are not going so well offensively, they will pound the offensive glass. And that's one of those ways of like, you know, being sneakily um, efficient because even if you miss four shots and get the offensive rebound every single time and score, that is a, you know, successful possession from, from a points per possession standpoint. And uh, yeah, I do think the Gators will, will be better than that. And uh if uh, if not, oof, the, 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 we, we really got got by by the sports book on that one. I was going to say, unfortunately, another prop we couldn't offer just because I had no way of tracking was um, percent of offensive possession using continuity ball screen. We would have <laughs> set that number at about 91 and a half percent. But unfortunately, I don't have a good way to track that. So we will we will go, we will go without that. We, we will go without that question for this show. Obviously, we're going to jump to the other side of that question, the other side of the coin, which is defensive efficiency last year Gators ranked 31st in the country pretty good we're going to set that number slightly higher we're going to set that number at 27 and a half this year Eric will the Gators be better or worse than 27 and a half in the country in defensive efficiency hmm yes I think they will be better but uh that's a that's again that's another very very good line um and I think I'll just kind of Go with, um, I think that they have they again have have good kind of defensive talent, maybe improved. I I, I do fear if the Gators choose to to go big. Ah, if the Gators go big and stay big all season, I think they'll be worse than that number and better offensively. But I think ultimately the kind of defensive will of of Golden will will get them into more defensive minded lineups and ah, I don't know if there's a whole lot of value on this one because it's hard for me to imagine the Gators being a lot better than you know 21st or 22nd so I feel like I'm kind of like I, I'm saying they're going to be better and there's there's it's only going to be a little bit better but I'll, I'll stick with it and then see what happens and you low value same answer I I think that the one guy we haven't talked about we're an hour in is Alex Condon I think that just a little extra athleticism and and stuff from him you know just being able to wave out bigs I, I know edge jarvis is gone but the the opportunity to wave out bigs that are actually rim protectors um mm. which it appears that they think condon can be along with hand locked in we're not gonna call tyree samuel a rim protector at any point in time on florida basketball hour but what we will say is that you know i think that that having at least two as opposed to losing Colin Castleton and having your ship go down in flames um, can help you kind of sustain things. And Todd Golden defense definitely is in DNA, even if continuity, continuity ball screen shouldn't be. <laughs> that is something we can definitely all agree on here. So we'll go to a couple more of the rapid fire team questions. So we're going to go to SEC finish predicted at eight. We're going to set that line at eight and a half, just right in line there with the SEC preseason media poll, Neil, better finish or worse finish than eight and a half in the sec. I got to go better. I got to stick with my guns on the sec voters ballot, which uh, I think 
I think Eric might have had him. This is going to be a different answer from Eric, probably if we just stick to our preseason ballots. Because I had to move us around and and like Eric and I didn't. I mean, we end up agreeing on the actual ballot that we submit because we discuss these things. But yeah, I mean, I, I'm seventh. I'm comfortable with seventh. Um, I think I think Florida could finish as good as fourth if things kind of break the right way. I also think Florida could finish as low as eleventh. Um, my main reason for that is just I think four through eleven in this league is just good luck. Good luck sorting everything after Arkansas, Texas A&M, and Tennessee out, man. Yeah, I I'm gonna say they're going to finish lower. I I I I, I kind of had them at at, at nine. Um, I think people know that. I uh, I think Vanderbilt's going to be really good this year and surprise. I the more I look at Ole Miss, I think they're still waiting on some waivers, which currently means uh, current trends have meant uh, not very good things. So maybe they miss out on on, on a key name. Um, but uh, uh, we've seen you know Chris Beard win wherever he is, um, and uh, yeah, I think that uh, while I would not predict Georgia to finish ahead of the Gators, it's there's you know a world exists where that happens and uh yeah there's just the, the the league is just so good that like if the gators were were, were ninth i think some people will, will hear hear that and think horrible horrible things but yeah the, the league is just so deep this year that um it's uh yeah i i i, I just I, I would have the gators ninth and i will ha- i think i had that on my 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 ballot and uh i will have to stick with it for for the purposes of this and this is one jake i i i, I think you need to give your own personal answer as well because i keep throwing the the tough ones back to you as well interested in your take yeah so i am gonna go with better here but only slightly i'm also gonna go with neil here i i think they will finish seventh in the sec this year i i just personally like the makeup and sort of the fit of this roster a lot better than i do last year i think the transfer sort of has a little bit more cohesion this year to what they want to do. So I'm going to go with the Gators finishing seven in the SEC this year. But like you said, with that glut at four through 11, it really would not surprise me if they finish three, four spots lower there, sort of a 10th or 11th with how good we're expecting the SEC to be this year besides South Carolina. So it's going to be interesting to sort of see how that all shuffles out. And that sort of dovetails into our next question where Eric, you know, do you have them finishing worse than eight and a half in the SEC where they might be nine, 10, 11, are they going to make the tournament this year? That That's the big question. That That's a question everyone wants to know, Eric. Will Florida have a bid to the NCAA tournament when we get to March? Yeah, I I, I know that that's uh, going to be going to going to sound, you know, if I put them ninth, a lot of people think that put, that'll put them out. But uh, I will have uh, I'll have the Gators sending eight or nine teams. I could see a team that finishes ahead of the Gators. Um, you know, being being touched up a little bit in non-conference and, and still not making the dance. So I, I do think the Gators get in despite the fact that they're they're nine. And again, this might break my rule of like consistency and, and having all my answers hype. Like this is like in my mind a parlay where like like it's at least possible <laughs> that everything could hit. Um, so maybe that breaks it. But yeah, I, I will say the Gators uh, Gators get in. And Neil, I assume it's got to be a yes as well based on your answer. Yeah, I mean, I, I've got them finishing seventh, so they'll be in. Sounds good. So we will go to sort of another end of season, you know, sort of accolade question here. And I know I, this is a personal gripe of mine. We're going to go with here over under players to make the all SEC team. 
my annoyance with these things is we see like nine, 10 guys on sometimes first teams in some of these leagues. That is ridiculous. There's no scenario where you're putting 10 guys on your own team on the court at once. It should be five players, but I think it should be positionless. I always think it's stupid when you have to give sort of two backcourt players and three frontcourt players or however they list it by position. So we're going to go with here over under one and a half players to make an all SEC team. Neil, we will go with you first. And if you want to give the players who you think will make an all SEC team, feel free to share that as well here. Yeah, I'm going under and the player that will make the all SEC team is Riley Kugel. Sounds good, Eric. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, if the Gators are ninth in the league, I think, it's hard to say that they will have two of the players that will be placed on that team. So I will go, I will go. Um, ooh, yeah. I, I, I won't get, I won't get crazy with it. I will say, I'll say Riley Kugel. Um, and I think that just so people know, it's like the reason the sec has so many people on their first team is they just like, don't break ties. So if it's like, uh, it's as opposed to like keeping guys off with like some tie breaking methods. So it usually ends up being yes, <laughs> seven or eight on the first team. But I, I think the second team is, is, they keep it fine. I forget it. I, sh I shouldn't have said anything there, but um, I know a lot of people, I, I I am like, I don't know. I'm like kind of impartial to it, but um, I'm definitely on team positionless. I know that that's a, a raging debate with preseason all American teams with like, whether it should be five big men, which you could very much argue and people who think it should look like a basketball team, but I'm on team positionless. I think that you want it to be a historical record of who the best players were. And if you get into doing particular positions, you can, you can lose that a little bit. So while we're talking about our takes on that. No, I, I agree. And uh, another question we have here, so this will be sort of like a player and team question here. It's funny looking back at last year's line. So this will be number of transfers out at the end of the season. We set that line at two and a half last year. I think sort of not knowing what we were getting ourselves into, that line ended up being way lower than it should have been. It was double at five players out at the end of last season transferring out. We are going to set that line at four and a half players transferring out at the end of the year. Eric, are we taking over four and a half or under four and a half here? Uh, I think under. I think that that golden strategy of going after international players that have kind of historically shown the 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 desire to um to stick around a little bit a little bit more. Um I think they're there. And then like, yeah, like if if Denzel Aberdeen doesn't see the floor, is is he in that mix? Like or is, could be but uh yeah i just i just see a lot of guys like yeah i see a lot of guys that will uh um either go pro or 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 stick around so I, i'll go i'll go under on that one and then neil are we going to be taking over under four and a half here yeah i like that i that's a i think that's a good number based on the exodus we've seen the last couple of seasons but i actually agree it i think that it will be under um I can't see either of the incoming freshmen leaving. Um, you know, I I think I think probably Shimshek and Aberdeen would be the guys that you kind of circle as probable departures. Um, especially if Condon plays well. Like I think even Shimmy being an international player might be like, you know what, maybe it's better for me to take my talents to St. Mary's or wherever, but um, that's actually probably not even close to accurate because he'd have to be a take at, at that program. But like, yeah, you get the point I'm making. I think, I think Florida will have like, they're going to have graduate departures, but I don't think it'll be four and a half transfer departures. 
Honestly, well, I thought you, I was. I thought I thought you were about to say take a silence to Serbia, which would have been a funnier answer. You know, if you wanted to go the pro route, make a little a little bit more money earlier on. I thought you were about that to say take a silence to Serbia. Was, yeah. Get ready to learn Serbian, pal. Yeah. Um, okay. um, um, no, I with my well, other answers today. So, so here's here's the one that um, I I actually don't know how this works, and I don't know if there's been like precedent, but like. A player that I didn't think was going to be on the roster this year was Alex Klatsky. I Not because of like, this wasn't a take I had, you know, last year. But, uh, you know, when he first came to the Gators, I thought, oh, I bet Klatsky is a guy that comes to Florida for four years and then transfers out to be someone who, um, who you know, plays, goes and plays at Colgate or something and, and you know, is a legitimate rotation player. So I always kind of thought he would be one. So I don't, like, I know he's a redshirt senior now. So, um, that's, that's one I wonder, and that could add to the total as, as, as well. If he, um, I don't know what the eligibility situation is for, um, for, for guys that are, that are walk-ons that see whatever, but, um, and, and I don't know if that's something he'd be interested in, but like him grad transferring to go get, um, go get an opportunity to play, I think would be pretty cool, but uh, he's also someone that's pretty Florida through and through and, uh, academically focused. So that could not be in the mix, but, um, that was one I'm also like putting on quote unquote transfer watch just you know for the chance to maybe play uh play in a regular rotation at a, at a low major mid-major school yeah this is the last COVID year so he could do that okay so we will jump to another question I feel like this might be more of a question among Florida basketball Twitter as a whole than Florida basketball hour here but we're gonna go with who will play more minutes per game this season Tyree Samuel or Micah Hanlockton Neil we will go with your answer first here Oh, Tyree Samuel. Mike Hanlockton was going to foul too much to play more <laughs> minutes. Yeah, I, I I, have to go Tyree Samuel too. And, and I think that – and I'm fascinated to see it. I think we talked about it a couple of podcasts ago. Like when the Gators are playing Virginia and it's a five-point game in either direction with four minutes left, are the Gators going to play two bigs? And I don't think they're going to. So – and when they're only playing one of those guys, I think it's going to be Tyree Samuel. So I think that that will be like, even if they're playing somewhat similar minutes, um, I think that's where you could start seeing Tyree Samuel getting, you know, three or four at the end of the games and more than hand locked in. And uh, just, yeah, just generally speaking, I, I, I think it'll be, I think it'll be him, but that, that is something that's definitely like Twitter poll worthy yeah. um, just to see, just to see the reaction. I think I was really surprised when we said, you know, the open-ended who's going to be the better more impactful transfer between Zion Pullen and, and Walter Clayton. And it was pretty heavily Walter Clayton. Yeah. I, can be surpri- I can be surprised by the, the answers of people. So um, actually there's, there could be a lot of polls from, from tonight that we just, that we bring out, but um, yeah, I, I will go, I'll go Samuel. That's the other one. Jake, what do you think? I think I'm going to go with Samuel here. This was more of maybe like a, a, a bait, the response from people listening <laughs> going, no, yes. no, it's going to be Micah, but I'm going to go with Tyree Samuel here. I think just from what he brings on both ends of the floor, just going to end up playing more this season, whether it's both at the four or the five, whatever we end up seeing here. So I would also go with Tyree Samuel. Another interesting question I got here. So Riley Kugel is obviously the NBA draft, probably the NBA draft prospect on this team. I'm not sure we're going to be seeing anyone else playing in the association next year. Seeing him in a lot of different mock drafts. So we're going to set the number here. Where will Riley Kugel be picked in this year's NBA draft? We're going to set the number at 19 and a half. Eric, will he be picked uh, higher than 19 and a half or lower than 19 and a half in this year's draft? I think it's going to be lower. Um, 
And and again, it's it's so like if he ends up being a lottery pick, if he makes a a, a Trey Mannion jump, um, that's that's you know possible. But uh, yeah, I just think like when I was doing, and again, these these college basketball off seasons are long. And when I was getting really into the the Riley Kugel stuff for for a Patreon and writing about it at Gator Country, um, yeah, I, I I mentioned on the podcast, and and I will preface this again, just like I did before. I mentioned a couple of podcasts ago. I still think Riley Kugel is very good. I think he's going to be an OCC player, and I think he's going to be Florida's high score. But um, it's just his his his, his finishing at the rim numbers are are not good. His pick and roll numbers are, are are not good. He is right now one of those. He's a he's a tough shot maker, which is an important skill, and and a transition guy. And um, I think that uh, I think he has another really good season, but I'm not sure he 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 fixes any of those problems to the point where it's a strength. And I think that teams are looking at him as like a uh, you know an off guard with okay but not great size, who's kind of like an open floor athlete, but not really a, a, a ball handler or someone that can be a secondary ball handler player. So yeah, I just, I, I know a lot of people are buying a lot of Riley Kugel hype and I think he's definitely a draft pick. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't think he gets as high as, as 19 or what, what was it? 19 and a half or 19. Yeah. 19 and a half. Yeah. I, I don't think he gets to, I'll say even pick, pick 20. If I even had, I'll, I'll go, I'll go bonus and just, well, just for people to know where my head's at. Like I, I think he's somewhere between 28 and, and 35. So yeah, I, I, I won't go as high as, as 19 and a half. Sounds good. And then Neil, what are we thinking? Yeah, I won't either. I think he's going to be picked 20 to 25 though. So I, I like this. This is a tough line for me. Um, I think I ranked him 34th in my Saturday down South top 15 players in the sec. I can't remember if I put him ahead of the SCOBY to troll ball fans, or if I put him behind them, um, you know, but not that I would ever write anything to troll Tennessee fans. No. You know, um, you know I, I want to see two things from him. I want him to limit turnovers. Um, he had a bunch of turnovers in both the preseason scrimmages and, um, I think he had four against Miami. Fine. Those guards like do that. And they had Wuga Poplar on him a lot from what I understand. Um, and he did well, <laughs> but he also committed turnovers. And then he had four turnovers against FIU, which you should not do. Um, so I think just passing and decision-making are like the two big things for me. And that can keep you out of the lottery alone, but then he has to kind of show defensive consistency for me too. We saw it in flashes last year. And then like when he was asked to get down and guard in a stance, it went a little less good. How would you feel about adjusting the line to 25.5? If Neil thinks 20 to 25 and I think like 28, what if you, what if you adjusted to 25 and a half just so that one of us will be right and one of us will be wrong? Yeah. yeah, I would take that's fine. We'll adjust it to 25 and a half. So Neil's going to take over is going to take better. I'll take under because I, yeah. yeah. Under, sorry, yeah. Yeah, or, yeah it's hard when it's yeah. – Yeah, no, right. I know. And then I I'm, take, I'm curious I, what right. – yeah. Uh, yeah, Jake, I, I'm curious what you would, would – what you would have taken on the 19 and a half, and uh, maybe that will be obvious then for the for the 25 and a half, what you would have gone with. I know you're a big so, NBA guy, and you you know the draft, so this will be this will be interesting. Yeah, so I, I think he will be a surprise. I think he actually will be picked better than that 19 and a half number. Mm. I just think – when you sort of look at that athleticism and you look at the package of sort of what could yeah. be, 
he's mm-hmm. sort of one of those guys that you see when teams are taking a shot on, we're going to assign this guy to the G League for the first two years of that rookie contract or first year and a half. We're going to have him work his way up. I just think as an intriguing athletic prospect, I think he is definitely one of the more interesting guys out there among this year's draft class, which is not personally my favorite when you're looking at it as a whole in terms of, you know, picks one through 32 in the first round. So because of the intriguing athlete that he is and based off of seeing guys who sort of have less interesting athletic profiles than he does, uh, not as good of a three-point shot as he does going higher than that, I actually think that he will be picked better than that number of 19 and a half. So mm. that would have been my answer, but we will see, Oops. you know, we, we could be way off. This is again, this is where we lose our shirts to the, to the sports book. So uh, another interesting question here. So this will be something that I'm going to have to listen to and something that I will have to um, sort of see what the final answer is at here, but we will go first to Eric on this one. How many times will Caius Kublikas have his number mispronounced on the Florida Basketball Hour podcast this (laughs) year? How many mispronunciations? We're setting that number this year at 14 and a half. So at the number of 14 and a half, will it be mispronounced more times or less times? Mm, he was real nice with that assist in the, uh, in the scrimmage. So maybe I, 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 like, I really could see him getting minutes. Like I, I, I know he's small, but I just, um, again, coming from the Zilgiris uh, system where he played on the court with Kavaris uh, Hayes a little bit last year. Um, I think he's, he's a lot more, like I know a lot of people who even saw in the scrimmage or people around the, the program are like, Oh, he's more ready than, than I thought. And it's like, well, yeah, he was playing at a very good program against pros last year. So um I could see him playing a little bit more, but uh, uh, luckily, I think I think and rightfully so, Denver Parlor will be on our on our case um, for for proper pronunciation. So I, I I think we'll be I think it'll be less less than that number. But I say it I say it fearfully, very fearfully. Yeah, I'm going the over, but it, <laughs> the reason. I just don't trust myself to pull up the email that that Denver Parlor sent Eric and I on September 6th, anticipating this fiasco, which says it is, uh, hey guys, I went through pronunciations. This one I wanted to pass along and it stands out. Caius Kubaliskas. Just so you know. There we go. So and I will also say I, I got done dirty on that one because it was like Kublikas on on watching Countess um, Zogiris games. Um, so I think that that's like, yeah, I don't know. I, it's, I was like, I, here I was, I was like, oh, I went and watched Zogiris games, like got the pronunciation from announcers. Like here I am. And then Denver is like, Hey, just go through the pronunciations. And uh, yeah, poli- very politely was like, you guys are not close. So that's what I get for just listening to a couple of watching a couple of games and thinking that I was going to, you know, learn something. So um, yeah, going to try. I, I know that like, uh, yeah, it, it just happens again. When we when we podcast multiple hours every week for the season, the, the mispronunciations come. But yeah, so I I I, 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 I the over is probably the smart money. So so another interesting question I sort of thought of here, and my thinking on it might be completely wrong, but I want to see what your guys' answer is. So this is sort of a transfer question of the guys coming in and the guys coming out that we had. So the question here is. Will the transfers in of Rishwane, Pullen, Samuel, Hanlockton, and Clayton average more in a basic composite than the guys going out in Reeves, Lane, Jatobo, oh. Bonham, and Felder? Obviously, we Ooh. know that the guys coming in are more than likely more talented, might fit in better, but 
the players going out are sometimes dropping to either a lower level in competition or a team where they might have more offensive opportunities. So we will go with Neil here first. Neil, which group is going to average more this season, the transfers into Florida or the transfers out? Man, that's tough. So we just saw Wacy. Neil, go I'll, I'll, yeah, I was going to say he just went. I didn't know if you saw that he just had a really good scrimmage for. Yeah, we just saw Wacy go off in a scrimmage for Tech. Um, if we weren't like doing the over under show, maybe I'll do this on like the next show that, that this even comes up. I'll just play the Damon Stoudemire audio about like mm. system and. It's char- It's not as charitable as you might think towards the system that Kowasi just came from. Um, but uh, he, he seems to think that he has a he is a pretty good basketball player on his hands. Um, a guy who knows a thing or two about pretty good basketball players. Um, Trey Bottom's going to start at Chattanooga. Did he get a waiver? Lane. Although I don't know if he has a... I, 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 he, I That's uh, the one thing. Okay. Is I don't know if he's playing. Is that still... Which would change okay. it greatly. Yeah, that would change. That would change it. My answer was going to be: if Trey Bonham plays, he's projected to start. Niles mm-hmm. Lane is projected to start. Kowasi Reeves, Reeves is projected to start, and I was going to go with the outgoing guys on on that basis. I mean, Niles Lane, hell, he's played his first college basketball, so his his numbers <laughs> have to go up. So, so we will go with it contingent on the waiver coming through because that obviously would pretty much throw a wrench into this question. So contingent on the waiver coming through, Eric, what would your answer be here? Yeah, I, 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 I don't think he's going to get the waiver. I, 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 yeah, just so again, I, I, I don't think Jatobo is doing much at, at Tennessee <laughs> state, unfortunately. Um, yeah, really, I could just I could just write it down quick. I think that Florida's Florida's roster of of incoming transfers between the four guys that I think will be I don't you know I don't really project Julian Richwain to be um, to be a regular contributor, but I think that there'll be four guys that'll be you know somewhere between like three of those guys could be double digit scores. I, I don't think Hanlockton could be, but he could be up there up there as well. And uh, yeah, I just think that there's there's a couple guys that, uh, and, and yeah, that, that, that won't, won't quite be there. So I, 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 we, I, I wish we knew with a bond thing for sure. I just searched on Twitter and couldn't mm-hmm. find anything, but, um, yeah, I, I will say if yeah. he does get, if he does get eligible, I would go the, I would go the outgoing transfers at lower levels. Um, but I will, I will go, you know, that's, that's, that'll be it. And in the current construction, I'm going to say, I'm going to say Florida. It's a good so- answer. So we will go back to another team question here. So longest win streak of the season. We are mm. going to set this number at five and a half. Eric, will the Gators have a win streak of more than five and a half this season or less than, or I should say fewer than five and a half this season? Uh, as I frantically look at. Yeah, no, I was, I was trying to go through, <laughs> yeah. trying to go through the different segments of the schedule to see <laughs> where that number just fit so- in on it. I'm going to set that one to five and a half here. So, so just so that people um, are aware, so like Ken Palm would have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, twelve. You know, projected. It doesn't totally work that way, but like Florida mm-hmm. could be favored in twelve consecutive games. That goes from Florida A and M 
to um, Mississippi, to Ole Miss in, on, on January 10th. But of course, that doesn't factor in that if the Gators beat Pittsburgh, um, exactly, then they would probably play Baylor, um, which is also funny because if someone wants to go over on this question, they could like say Oregon State upsets, upsets Baylor and, and uh, you know, the Gators are five. Um, yeah, I just, I, I feel like the, the thought of the Gators rattling off five in SEC play is 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 fairly tough to imagine. Mm-hmm. There is that stretch, or sorry, six in a row, uh, is a little tough to imagine. There's a couple stretches that you could imagine them doing it in non-conference, but uh, yeah, I just it's I, I think it's going to be tough to do. I I don't think they they hit that number. I, I think that they'll run into to Baylor to maybe turn a a five and zero oh start into five and one, and there's a chance that they like. The, and then the other one you'd be looking at would be could the Gators beat Michigan on a neutral floor because they might rattle off Merrimack, Richmond, East Carolina, Michigan. That's the game, yeah. So and that would be and that's like that could that who that kind of reframes the question because it could be as simple as do you think the Gators beat Michigan? Michigan. Which, that is that is the game right there that made me set that line there because I don't think they're going to have a win streak of six games in SEC play just because of the strength of the conference and sort of how the schedule right. shakes out. I think it basically comes down to if they can beat Michigan, I think they'll go longer than that. So, Neil, your answer here, longer or shorter than five and a half game win streak? Yeah, this is a beautiful line. Compliments to the sports book. Mm. It's bank, bankrupting me on this one. But, <laughs> but uh, I'm going with longer. Sounds good. So which, which stretch would, which stretch would you uh which yeah, which one do you think? So I think let me look real quick. I think Florida wins every game from Merrimack all the way to that trip to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would be yeah, Merrimack, Richmond, East Carolina, Michigan, Michigan. Grambling State, and Quinnipiac. I think that's right. I think it's Quinnipiac, not Quinnipiac. I know that's a oh, I know yeah. that's another I know that's yeah. another another tough one, but they're and more then I'm up. adding I'm adding Kentucky Ole Miss Arkansas to that winning streak. Okay. <laughs> I, I like that one. So we'll, we'll flip to the other side of the coin here. We will go with longest losing streak this season. We're gonna set this number here at three and a half. Neil, longest losing streak, three and a half games. Are they going to have a longer losing streak than three and a half or a shorter losing streak than three and a half? Um, man, that's a brutal one too. <laughs> because like, no, I mean, if you look at league play, like they go to Rupp and they go to college station back to back. So like you have to kind of be looking in that area, right? Or look at like the fact that, they clearly have no idea how to guard Vanderbilt last year. And maybe they'll have an idea how to do it this year. Um, but, you know, like it's in that area, I feel like. But the thing about those games is you got Vandy and Mizzou at home. So I'm actually going to go under. I think Florida will have a three-game losing streak, if not two, during league play. But I don't think it ever gets worse than that. Yeah, and I'll say they do have a losing streak longer than three and a half. Um, just for people who aren't staring at Ken Palm while we do this, um, there are two projected, um, two stretches where the Gators have three um, consecutive games where they're not favored. So Arkansas, Tennessee, Missouri, and those would be bookended by Mississippi State and Ole Miss. And that's one I could see the Gators, 
losing some combination of four of in, in that stretch. And you could also say Kentucky before Ole Miss. I um, mean, that, that first kind of six-game stretch, I could see the Gators getting four in there. The other one would be um, at Kentucky at, at Texas A&M, as Neil mentioned, followed by home at, um, with Auburn. And that one's bookended by Georgia and LSU, which seems a little bit, you know, wouldn't be as likely to, to tack on a loss there. But, uh, yeah, I just think the, the – and I know, and I feel like we just immediately took the question to SEC play because I don't think any of us see um, – I don't think any of us see uh, a situation in not conference losing three or four in a row, but yeah, I just, uh, yeah, the league is, the league is really good. I see a four game skid in there somewhere. So yeah, I'll, I'll say, I'll say over the three and a half. Yeah, no, I, I, I think those are both fair to those questions. Um, we're going to go to a, another fun question and we'll go back to our answer for this one last year. So this question will be, will Tyree Samuel hit more total three pointers this season then Alex Klasky scores points. So Eric, we will go to you first on that question. Last year, this question was between Alex Klasky. Let me find this real quick because I had the answer to this. It was between Alex Klasky and Colin Castleton. Colin Castleton made two three-pointers while Alex Klasky had three points. So I am curious which one you guys go with. Last year, you went with Colin. So you guys were both wrong on that one. So this year, Eric, are you going to go with Tyree Samuel or are you going to take Alex Klasky? Oh, I'll just go back to the same the same well that didn't work for Master. I'll say the Tyree Samuel. I I I I can believe like with the whole with the whole concept of of Colin Castleton taking threes. Like I just I shouldn't have I shouldn't have taken the bait. He just had never shown that ability to do so. Whereas Tyree Samuel has not shot threes particularly well, but um, at least he's taken like over like I think he's close to 153s taken in his career. So um coming to Florida where they sold him on taking a lot of threes. Um I don't know if he's going to be awfully efficient. Um but I think he'll take one or two a game and, and hit around 30% of them. And I think that that number will be greater than Alex Klatsky points. And Neil yeah, look, Tyree Samuel made four three pointers last year. So that's this is that's a, uh-huh. That's sort is, of the number I was looking at. There. Uh, this is I didn't even think a, of that. This is quite <laughs> this is a clever ploy. Yeah. Um by the book. And this is probably why Wendy's Winter Sports Book is as rich as it is. <laughs> um because like you know, it's just I can't quit on Tyree Samuel potentially having a three-point jump shot. So I'm going to go with Samuel fairly comfortably, and I hate myself for it. Uh, you know, this might be what they call a trap line. So we will uh, <laughs> we will see because, you know, you could probably get Klatsky on this line probably around a good plus 300, plus 400. So uh, <laughs> if, if anyone's taking that, they're probably some uh, – some uh some good uh some good value there so this is one that i'm gonna have to personally meant or personally have to look into the broadcast tomorrow which will be monday in their opener so we will start with neil here neil how many minutes into the first broadcast will an announcer use analytics when referring to todd golden (laughs) we are going to set that number and this doesn't include the, you know, that the, we're at the O'Connell Center, blah, blah, blah. This includes when we get the two announcers coming in. They're previewing the matchup. We are going to set that number at two and a half. Neil, two and a half minutes, longer or shorter? Oh, God. I'm going to go over and, again, I feel like I'm 0-1 already. Like, <laughs> 
I think it's going to take, I think it'll be the second media timeout. Like the first time that either, well, Zion Pullins out. So it'll be whoever comes off the bench, right? <laughs> That's when they'll be like, this is an analytical substitution by the analytics savvy. You know, so that that's that's coming, but I think it's coming a little longer into the broadcast than that. Yeah, like and it's one of those ones that like I forget. We had one of our ones last year that was like bust or it was like the Kawasi Reeves where it was like two seconds into the season, it was over. Like that's the thing, is like I feel like if it happens, it's gonna be either like 40 minutes into the broadcast or 40 seconds. Like it's so I'm gonna say I'm gonna say over because I think that there's gonna be the regular like it's an ESCN, it's S yes. It's an SEC network plus broadcast, I believe. And I think that there's, it's going to be kind of catered to the casual a little bit. So it'll be, you know, those first minutes will be like, Hey, this is Walter Clayton. Hey, this is, you know, it'll just be so, and, and so my, the fear would be like the analytically savvy golden, yep. like you, uh-huh. you know, you look through his algorithm to find, Walter Clay or, you know, so it, it could happen very, very quickly, but I, I think there, I think that on an SEC network plus broadcast, it'll be a little more generic early and then the analytics will come later. I don't think you're giving enough credit to Mark Wise there. So we'll, uh, <laughs> we, 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 we will see, we will see if that gets mentioned there in the, uh, the first two and a half minutes or not next. So I said that um, Alex Fudge factored into a question here. So this is going to be a question that I'm going to have to do a little more research into. And so, Colin Castleton and Alex Fudge here are both on two-way contracts with the Los Angeles Lakers, which means that they'll also be spending probably a majority of their time down in the G League with the South Bay Lakers here in their first year in the quote-unquote NBA. So we will go to Neil first on this question. Neil, who will have more points per game this season? Colin Castleton and Alex Fudge combined average in the G League or Riley Kugel with the Gators? (laughs) You had to throw in the like. The, I mean, like I love the, I love the wrinkle at the end until I hate it. I, I'm gonna go with Riley Kugel for the Gators, and look, I think, I think Colin Castleton. This is an interesting take for two for the two of you too. Like, I think Colin Castleton is gonna play in the NBA for quite a while. I think he's, I think he has a lot of the tools that we see with, just sort of like good usage minutes bigs off the bench. Like I think he's going to be a nice off the bench big for a long time, but even in the G league, I'm not sure that translates into huge production and like from a points per game standpoint. And I think Riley's going to average 17 and a half to 20. I really do. And like, man, Alex fudge, like, I don't know how much scoring he's going to do at any level uh, while he's in America. So yeah, I got to go with, I gotta go with Google here. This is this is these are the ones that make you seven nineteen and one though. <laughs> yeah, this is this is where Jake, you you you'll have to have an opinion as yeah. the, the the resident G League expert. But I I do think that the combination of Castleton and Fudge is higher, and I think that the Lakers, who are in a salary cap um, uh, pickle, will say um, they don't have a lot of options um, at the five, and that's generally a place where teams can get value by bringing in guys such as Colin Castleton. So I think he spends a lot of time at the big club. And I think when they send him down, it's not going to be to like develop. Like, I think it's like play 25 to 30 minutes and like get touches. So like, I, I think Castleton's going to, going to play. And I think I could see him being a, a 12 or 14 point per game guy. And then Alex Fudge just, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll say gets, gets, gets what she needs, you know, seven or eight, 
or, or nine mm-hmm. to, to get over the, the Riley Kugel total. And so I think that while fudge could be a little bit like more of a development, like, Hey, he needs to just be a practice. He needs to be in a regular. Like, I think, I think like it could be like a, again, I'll just use more Gator references, like a, like a Chris Chioza thing where like he sat on the bench and when he went down to the G league, it was like, Hey, we need you to like play big minutes and stay sharp. So um, yeah, that's a great question. I was not, when you said earlier, there was going to be an Alex fudge tie. in. <laughs> not what like, you were expecting, right? No, I was like, wait, wait where so but yeah you know the g league better than than anyone so what's your that was uh, awesome yeah so so for people who don't know so before i came to cbs sports here my uh, my job was running social media at the nba over for the g league so the thing i'll tell you about the g league is some of these big guys based on whether it's a a height disparity a talent disparity since we see a lot of you know two-way guys coming down who a lot are usually fours but we do see some of those fives coming back and forth Man, some of these fives who are impactful, efficient guys at the college level put up stupid numbers in the G League. I'm talking about, I remember Angel Delgado, who if we're talking about, you know, former Seton Mm. Hall guys, obviously Tyree Samuel as well. I can't tell you how many nights when he was playing with the Ago Caliente Clippers of Ontario, which great name. I would make a graphic for Angel Delgado, who was great in college too, where my man would finish with like 35 points and 21 rebounds, just stupid numbers. So my thought here was Colin probably will play a lot of time up in the NBA, but when he comes down, it's going to be coming down to get touches. So you might see some of these graphics where Colin comes down for the South Bay Lakers. They're taking on the OKC Blue, which weird name. And he's just putting up like 24 points, 21 rebounds and five blocks. The other thing with the G League is we see more insane run out dunks in that league from fast breaks, turnover steals than anything I've ever seen in a in a real sort of like fully professional basketball setting. So when you see a lot of highlights of Fudge this year, it's going to be him getting the ball, going out on a fast break, and throwing down some of those ridiculous dunks you have ever seen. So I think he might get some scoring off of that. But I also think his numbers might be slightly efficient where he's sort of trying to take a lot of threes at that level. He might be missing a lot of shots. He might be, you know, trying to prove his defense is worth it to get enough minutes at that NBA level. So he's more geared towards that. So I think it'll be Castleton and Fudge. But I also think there's a scenario where, you know, Kogel really goes off the season is averaging 22 and a half, maybe around there. And that's where that number could get a little dicey with potentially Fudge bringing down Castleton's numbers. So, so yeah, so I just thought it was an interesting question. Something I had a little bit of expertise with and I just thought, uh, It'd be a fun way to sort of tie in some of the former guys. So only got a few left here. It's been a great show so far. This one's a bit of a downer, but it it feels like something that has been around the Florida basketball program for at least the last couple of years. So when we think about Florida basketball and we think about seasons that could have been, a lot of things that come up are injuries. I mean, we're talking about whether it was John Igbunu getting injured and how much better those Gator teams could have been and how much further they could have gone if he had stayed healthy. Colin Castleton last year, if he stays healthy, does the year end a little bit better? Do they shut down Tolu Smith in that game? Do they get a little bit further in the SEC tournament? So here we will go with players injured this season, and this will be must miss at least one game this season. We are going to set that number at three and a half. So will there be more than three and a half players who miss at least one game with an injury this season or less than three and a half players who miss in the game with an injury this season? Eric, we will go with you first on this one. I feel like the Grim Reaper, like, to, to say this, <laughs> but, like, I just, um, yeah, like, rolled ankles happen. And um, obviously with, like, Fudge, we saw, like, concussion protocol, and that's something that they they take more seriously every year. So I, I, I'll say more, and um, I hope it's, like guys that are missing for, you know, like thigh contusion and 
the like not and, and and nothing that's 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 you know season ending anything like that I, I would also well there also might be some semantic kind of arguments like if 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 uh if julian rishway i didn't think about this at first but like you know if julian rishwayne starts playing single digit minutes per game but then like you know gets out of the rotation a little bit i don't know what that that could be one that like you could argue like he misses because of injury depending on what they, but that'll be maybe what they, what they say in, 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 in media or whatever. Cause it's not like a you know fantasy football injury report situation, but yeah, I'll go, I'll go over and it's just going to be, you know, rolled ankle here, thigh contusion there, just, just little things. And Neil, are we going to go with more or less than three and a half here? I'm just going to be optimistic and say under, like, nice. I do think the Rishwin point is like spot on. I mean, like, you know, Cam Rising has been available to play for Utah for the last five weeks, but <laughs> yeah. he's not playing the season, yeah. right? Like, so, like, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know how we evaluate Julian Rishwain being available tomorrow night or or not. Like, yeah, he would understand. have he would have to be like a regular guy in their rotation. Yeah. And then like an obvious like, oh, something there, you know, he, he just barely twists his knee and then hobbles off and they're just like, yeah, you know, he's not going to play tomorrow against in whatever no, game, yeah. you know. I mean, I'll, 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 go, <laughs> I'll go under. I'm with Eric. I just think it won't be quite as bad. Like, they've got to have a year worse, people, right? Like, at some point, the the basketball guys you have hope. to be kind. Yeah, no, you, you certainly hope. And that's sort of uh, been an unfortunate talking point, of course, the last couple of years. So we will uh, we will see what ends up happening there. All right, just two more questions here from what I have. So this question we will go to Neil first. So a recruiting-based question, since everybody loves recruiting. So in the, in the class of 2024, according to the 24-7 rankings, which they're CBS partner, so I'm going to use their rankings. I think they're the best, so we will stick with 24-7. The highest ranked recruit signed by Florida in the class of 2024, will they be ranked better than 30 and a half or lower than 30 and a half? Um, I forget who's who's starting on this one, but I'll, um, I'll, I'll just, I'll jump in and just say, <laughs> I'll say, I'll say lower. Um, yeah. I, I, there's, there's obviously a couple, couple obvious names that people know that uh, the Gators have a chance at, but yeah, I'll just say say that they do not land those guys, and I'm lower than than that number. <laughs> and Neil, yeah, I'm going with lower. Um, mm-hmm. If if Alex Lloyd reclassifies, ooh, then I think he might still get into the top thirty, but I'm going to go lower. Fair enough. And then we will finish with our final question. Real quick, a question that I originally wanted to put in here was, and it was a football tie-in sort of that we had a question sort of similar as last year, but sort of different. I was going to do Florida points per game for football. Will it be better or, or sorry, Florida points per game this season. And I was going to compare it to Florida rebounds per game since usually teams average around like, you know, anywhere from like 34 to 39 rebounds per game, just sort of generally in that number I was going to do which number was going to be higher but Florida's had a couple of games that have sort of knocked off some points off their football total so right now even if you just do SEC play it's about 29.6 points per game if Florida basketball averaged fewer than 29.6 rebounds per game this might be among the worst seasons we we have seen so we are going to strike that question there from the record but you know it's a question I think I I'm going to go with here 
Nah, nah, I probably can't do that one. Anyways, we're going to go with my final question I actually wrote down here. So this is the question. What will Florida's starting lineup be in the final game of the season? And this isn't regular season. This will be whether it is in the NCAA tournament, whether it is in the NIT, or sadly, if it is in the SEC tournament. You never know how the season's going to go. So, Neil, we are going to start with you here. Who will be Florida's starting lineup in their final game of the season? So I think it will be Zion Pullen, Walter Clayton. Um, God, why am I blanking? Riley Google. <laughs> he's, he's pretty important. Uh, Micah Hanlockton, Tyree Samuel. Sounds good. And Eric, we will jump over to you. Zion Pullen, Riley Kugel, Will Richard, Thomas Houck. And, and Tyree Samuel. Sounds good. So, I, God, I love that. I love that, Eric. I, I love the difference in answer there. And then actually one last one I want to get to. We won't hopefully know the answer to this question for a few years, but we went with the question uh, last year of who will be at Florida longer, Todd Golden or um, Billy Napier. <laughs> I think it's interesting to sort of reevaluate this question. I know hmm. Neil is obviously more of the football guy. So, Neil, I sort of want to put you on the spot here. Who do we think is going to last longer at the University of Florida? Do we think Todd Golden will be on campus longer, or do we think it will be Billy Napier? William Napier. Okay. Sounds good. Eric, if you have an opinion, feel free to share it. If you don't have a strong enough opinion, I respect mm. that as well. Yeah, I like it's I, I've been shocked at the level of support for Napier. And again, this is coming from yeah, I'm not dialed in particularly to, to football. Um, but uh, there's just so much more of a I'll say understanding um slash leniency about oh football takes time oh it's about recruiting um got to give these guys multiple years where like the the current basketball climate is just like oh kansas state just like went on a tournament run when they were like picked last in their league in in year one and like oh mississippi state found a way into the tournament in year like like basketball nowadays and, and i mean we can argue whether it's the the right or, or wrong approach to have but the fact of the matter is it is it is very much a um, you know, what can you do for me right now situation? And I just feel like in, in, in most schools and most situations um, in anything kind of similar with similar hiring timelines with football and basketball, if you bet on football being longer, you would, uh, um, you, you, you'd be correct. So um, yeah, I'll say that, that, that uh, Billy Napier's going to be at, at Florida longer and uh, I don't like having to say that, but uh, it's just that yeah, that's just seems to be the, the current climate of football versus basketball. And I'll wrap it with this. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. Last year, both of you took Golden at UF longer than Billy Napier. So it is interesting to see mm. a flip question. And of course, hopefully, best case scenario, we won't know the answer to this question for a while. But yeah, obviously, absolutely. absolutely. Obviously, we don't know. So guys, that was a fantastic over-under show. I absolutely love doing this with you guys. I love when we see different answers back and forth. I think people are going to really enjoy the show. I know people might want to sort of write down their own answers and follow along and see how they do compared to Eric and Neil. But guys, this has been a pleasure. I love joining you guys for this. And I think it was a pretty fun show. 
Yeah, it's I know it's so much work. So thank you for doing that. I feel like this year we have a lot of a lot more different answers. I feel like we agreed on more things. Yeah. Uh, so one of us is getting killed. Um, we will. <laughs> I, 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 I really I don't know what it's going to be. But Jake, I do want to I do want to ask. You don't have to say anything, but like I, I, I just have to ask. Do you have like one blistering hot take about Florida basketball or even just college basketball generally this year that you just want to get off your chest? We're recording um, Sunday nights before the season starts. Do Do you have like just just something you just you just need to get out there? Oh man, put me on the spot here. Put me on the spot yeah. here. Um, you know what? I'm I'm just gonna go with a, a wild hot take here. I don't know. This this might be completely wrong. I'm not sure. I don't even know if it's that much of a hot take. Whatever. I'm just gonna throw it out there. John Shire, second year here at Duke. I'm gonna say that Duke is gonna win the national title. This okay. Year. That's 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 gonna be my take here. That I'm gonna leave the show with. I know it's not really SEC or Gator related. I no, wish that's I came, great. I wish I came with a hotter take for Florida. I <laughs> I truly wish I did, but that's just gonna be my hot take here. I'm gonna say Duke's gonna win the national title this year, and then uh, yeah, that is um that is that is gonna be my All hot right. take here. Yeah. All right, that's so what I got. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm gonna give the listeners one going away, Wendy Sweater Sportsbook. We need to hear from you, Bet. Which is, I will say this: this year was the lowest preseason ranking in the John Calipari era, ranked 16th in the preseason. Jake, where are you at? Over or under number 16 in the country for Kentucky in 2023-2024. In terms of where they, in terms of where they, where finish, do they finish? Right, over or under? I'm gonna go with under, and along with that, I am gonna say I think Cal lasts. I think that Cal is gone at Kentucky by the end of next season. Ooh. I, I, re- I really I, listen. I know that I know that might be a hot take as well. I know mm. we've seen sort of what's happened recently with Kentucky. I just. I, I don't I don't see it happening there. I see the fan base sort of getting continually angrier. I don't know if they're going to have the postseason success. And I just think at a certain point, you loved what you had with Coach K. You obviously loved the or sorry, not Coach K. Well, Coach Calipari. I'm I'm still back on. Yeah. You, 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 yeah. you loved what you had with Cal. You loved with these insane recruiting classes you're coming in, but they're just not turning into the success right. that Kentucky basketball should have at this point. So I'm saying by the end of next season. John Calipari will not be the head coach in Lexington anymore. And you know what's going to be Rick Pitino? He's coming back. He's going to Washington. <laughs> that is it. awesome. But after not, he's like, oh, I don't really have too hot of a take. But so I think that <laughs> I think tied in with that take is that St. John's is going to the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight this year. And uh, hell yeah, yeah, you got it. You got to tile that. But um, but yeah, we uh, we thank you so much for this, Jake. Um, this is awesome. I yeah. look forward to revisiting this. We'll probably have to have you on. Um, just a regular episode at some point this season, if, if not multiple. Um, and uh, Jake, uh, you are a listener to the podcast, allegedly. Would you do um, the honor of, of closing out the show? I will. This is really an honor. I, I feel like I'm, <laughs> I'm glad you guys asked me. So I will give it to you guys. Go Gators and keep attacking closeouts, baby. <laughs>